This is Phoenix FM. Thank you to Anna and thank you to Ian for a fantastic week of drive time. And now it is Friday at six. And that's me, Karen Ridges, here on the House of Fun. On 98FM and online, this is Phoenix FM. Friday because as always the weekend can officially start because I say so it is 6.05 we've kicked Ian out of the studio he's he's had enough haven't you you've been here working hard all week no no he wants he wants to stay of course he does I've got a fantastic show especially for you my lovely listener Wonderful guests, some fantastic, utterly brilliant music, a little bit of 80s, 90s and some old school club classics. I'm going to kick off with a little bit. And you know what? I'm going to this this show. We are going to have a scattering of Depeche Mode because I went to see their film last night and it was utterly 
brilliant. FM. Main 
absolutely love a little bit of Duran Duran. I don't get to play that that often. Um, I'm buzzing about tonight's show. As you know, my lovely listener, I bring you the very best guests in the world ever, nearly every single week, or sometimes it's just you and I hanging out over a nice glass of organic red wine. (laughs) And tonight, though, I am so excited because I have Alan Johns in the studio from Pomora. Pomora.com as well. Let's get it in the old the old website. I want you to speak right into that microphone. Okay, I'll do whatever you Welcome. say. Welcome. Thank you, Alan. That's my favourite type of guest. <laughs> I'm so happy to see you. Um, I am a fan. I think we connected some time ago and... I love your business. I think it's very ethical. It's very real. My listeners thinking, well, what the hell is it then? I might let you describe it a little bit better than what I'm going to do. But I will say I love the ethics behind your product. And every, I think every three or four months, isn't it? Quarterly. Every quarter, it feels like a little bit of Christmas as you get one of your boxes through the letterbox and you open it up and you think... What is going to be inside? What flavours are there going to be this quarter? I'm going to let you spill the beans, Alan. Well, we are an olive oil business, mm-hmm. uh, which we do via an adopt an olive tree mechanic. Yeah. So you actually get your very own tree over in Italy, which our growers look after for you. And then on a quarterly basis, you get a shipment of oil from your own tree direct to uh, your address in the UK, or we also service the US market as well. And I just, what made you come up with that idea originally, and when did it all begin? So it began back in 2014, and the the reason we started it was we tasted proper olive oil for the Mm. first time. If you've only ever tasted supermarket oils, they just do not compare to to the real stuff. Um, you may well have tasted good stuff when you've been on holiday. Um, and it's, it's almost like a different product. It really is. Um, so we tasted it for the first time, were amazed by it, and wanted to share that brilliant experience with other foodies in the UK. And as I say, we also service the US market as well. Really? That's brilliant. I tell you what, I don't know if you know about this, but what I've heard is when you've got you know wine growers... And they all came. To, they all come together, and they have their dinner together, their food, their networking. The wine growers don't bring each other a bottle of wine; they bring each other a bottle of olive oil. Have you heard of that? I have. The, the terroir where you can grow vines is very similar to the terroir needed to grow um, olive trees. Um, so often, you will find vineyards do also produce um, olive oil. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't understand the, uh, necessarily the, the manners behind it or the etiquette yeah. behind it. But, uh, <laughs> but it's lovely, isn't it, that these top beautiful wine growers, that's what they take. I find that fascinating. So the, the vineyards are in, are they some in Sicily? So they're called groves, with, groves for olive trees. Yeah. Um, we just work with two, two growers, yeah. one from Sicily and one from Campania on the mainland. Mm-hmm. Um, both of our guys have won gold medals at the major international um, show over in New York. So every year there's a, a, a big conference over in New York and they award the best olive oils, uh, different levels. And both of our guys are gold medalists at that show. Um, so pretty much as good an olive oil as you, as you can wow, get. 
Yeah. Um, but very different oils. So the Sicilian is quite a mild oil. Um, it's grown on the lower slopes of Mount Etna, so a volcanic soil, a real richness of flavour that you get with that. And the, the texture of it is so buttery and so, so viscous. I mean, it's a lovely, lovely oil. Um, I love the way you're describing this for my listener because, you know, you can, you, you can almost taste what it's going to be or you hope you are going to taste. Well, Karen, you it, may get the chance to. <laughs> <and then laughs> hopefully you'll be able to inspire your listeners as well, oh, as you do. Oh, lovely. Um, so but that's quite an atypical Italian-style oil mm. because it's very much front-loaded, very mild. Our mainland grower, Antonio, produces a much more traditional Italian-style oil, so quite robust, Backloaded, more of that bitterness and pungency or pepperiness at the back end of the uh, of the palate. Gosh. So, real difference between them. So, did you literally come across these guys by accident? How, or did you? Were you introduced? How did it all come together in the beginning? So, we designed the business to address uh, a number of uh, food principles that we hold. So if you go to our website, we have a little manifesto about uh, what we believe um, about food. Um, And so we had to find growers who not only produced brilliant olive oil, um, but who also met certain standards uh, so that we can provide that that traceability, the the provenance, which we think is really important. Um, Back five years ago, the Tesco horsemeat scandal was still... Mm a very live issue Um, you know food fraud is actually and in olive oil in particular is very very serious is it really gosh what what would people do they'd be mixing it with other they cut it with cheaper oils so extra virgin olive oil is the top tier so you have extra virgin virgin olive oil and lampante oil Um, Mm. extra virgin is the the premium it's the gold standard and commands a higher price Um, but in, there was a, a study done by the uh, University of California at Davis who have a, uh, a bespoke olive oil research centre and they tested uh, some of the, the olive oils, the extra, purportedly extra virgin olive oils in Californian supermarkets and 73% of them did not meet the standard. No. 73%. And that's meant to be the top of the range. It's the gold standard. Mm. I mean, what's scary is that the US consumers who were buying this didn't realise they were being defrauded. Mm. Um, so one of the big things we do is try to teach people how to taste properly and so they can recognise when they're being uh, missold. Gosh, and we're going to talk about that tonight as well we for will my talk lovely about that listener. Later. We are going to be... Is there a name for it? Are we olive oil connoisseurs? Are we olive oil experts after we've had your special training alan well i don't know whether uh, you, you get a certificate <laughs> that, or not yeah. but um hopefully you will be, have some knowledge that could be the next thing <laughs> so are the guys out there are they a really nice they're fa- it's a family isn't it are they really nice people family guys so we know them personally we you know we've met them they're in my phone if i needed to call them right now i could do oh we should get them live on air <laughs> what's the time difference with sicily it's an hour but um, unfortunately <laughs> neither of them speak great english so oh. It no. may not make great radio. <laughs> but, oh, amazing. Um, you know, their families have got generations of experience making really good quality olive oil. Yeah. So we allow them to do that part of it. Yeah. And we do the sort of the marketing, both myself and my co-founder, Paul, come from a digital marketing background. Mm. So we do that part and pair it with their brilliant production skills. Lovely. Um, and hopefully it's a nice, nice product at the end of it. And I bet the guys, I bet they thought, oh... How wonderful. We've met Alan. We've met Pomora. 
you know, we're, we're, do, have you taken them to another level? Well, we've certainly taken their oils to uh, another territory. So generally, oils of this quality don't move more than about 30 miles. Really? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> but, you know, the they good, keep it all. The, the, the good, good stuff, stuff is they kept keep. for the locals. Um, <gasps> but because of the way we work with them, we work absolutely directly with them. There are no middlemen. Yeah. So, the, the, you know, the guys grow the trees, they harvest, they press... They put in our tins, we ship it over on, on pallets, and then we send it to our customers. At the end of the day, you're not going to get, unless you go and do it yourself, you know, and press your own olives or whatever you do, you, it's not gonna, you're not going to have this kind of level of It's as goodness. close to that experience as, yeah. as we can possibly make. So we try to use the internet to replicate that holiday experience mm. of going to the Frantoyo and tasting some freshly pre- pressed olive oil, which is amazing. I mean, yeah. just the smell of it and just yeah. the whole thing is an amazing experience. But, of course, you can't just pop over to Italy and do that to yeah. pick up some olive oil. I mean, some people can, but... Uh, yeah. it's not, uh, not me. Not, not, no. not the majority. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not the regular people like not, that. Not ordinary people. So um, it, um, it, it's just trying to use modern technology and, and logistical uh, practices to, to replicate as closely as possible that experience mm. and get that level of product to our customers mm. and we are we're going to be talking about because we are going to be giving away we might do one now we might save one for the listen again link because my lovely listener likes to come over to phoenixfm.com listen to the listen again link as well but you've got three gorgeous oils that some lucky person we is have. going to win from phoenix fm so we've got two packs of three tins in each pack which is our, our standard shipping pack size um, so yeah, why don't we give away one live on the show and so one good. in a week's time? So generous, for the catch up. so generous. And I think I think we probably need to keep repeating the question, Alan. And I might give that to you as your responsibility. Okay. <laughs> We're making work. Corrie's sitting there thinking, "Oh, I'm glad glad she hasn't asked me to repeat it." We're going to be talking to Corrie later as well. Um, what's, what are we going to ask our lovely listener? So we are going to ask the listeners to tell us which village in Campania mm-hmm. does Antonio's uh, oil come from. Okay, that's lovely. Repeat so it we again. will probably mention that once or twice on air yeah. if you listen carefully. And if you uh, want to uh, get ahead of the game, you can find it quite easily on our website under the growers section. Wonderful. So, and what's your website again? So the website is just pomora.com, P-O-M-O-R-A, pomora.com. Lovely. And I think, you know, we're going to be talking more. We're, later on, we're going to be tasting some olive oils. And we are going to be telling you, my lovely listener, what to look out for, because there's such a big difference, is there? Do you think, Alan, that olive oil is is the best oil? Because there's, there's different oils you can buy now isn't there you know you've got obviously people are sort of up in arms a little bit about um you know uh what's that oil palm oil and things like that you know it's it doesn't have the same sexiness as olive oil anyway does it it doesn't um i think the trick is to use the right oil Mm -hmm. for the right purpose so um all oils are made up of three different types of fat so you have uh, monounsaturated, mm-hmm. polyunsaturated, and saturated fats. And all oils will have all three in, but just in different ratios. So olive oil has a much higher ratio or proportion of monounsaturated fats. Now, is that a good 
fat. That's the good ones. Okay. So uh, that's why it's generally thought of as a superfood and being very good for you. The downside of having a higher proportion of monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats is that they break down um, earlier under heat. So they break down at lower temperatures. Right. So when you are cooking, um, so for, for olive oil, the smoke point's about 230, 240 degrees. So absolutely fine for roasting, absolutely mm. fine for a gentle saute. You want to sweat off some onions. Yeah. You know, brilliant. I mean, I always use uh, Carmelo's oil for when we make a shakshuka. Absolutely lovely. Um, but absolutely no good for stir frying. Right, okay. What would you suggest then? So for stir frying, you need something with a lot more saturated fat. Right. So very trendy recently has been coconut oil. Yep. Packed full of saturated fat, so not great for the heart in, in too much quantity. Um, but will have a much higher smoke point and therefore you can stir fry with it. Mm. Obviously, you may or may not want the coconut flavour. So a groundnut oil or uh, something similar like that um, would have a higher smoke point. Did you know you were going to become such an expert of oils did you ever was that in your plan i'm not sure we ever had a plan to be honest i mean that, that even would... you know years ago when you started your career did you think i want to be the the oil guru no <laughs> <laughs> but you know sometimes life works out like that doesn't it and uh, the stuff tastes lovely and oh, if you like food it does. i've, it I've does. always been a big foodie and yeah. this was just an amazing discovery. It's like tasting wines. When you yes. taste proper single varietal, single estate oils, it's like tasting proper wines. <sighs> and if you like your wine, you will like your olive oils. It goes well, doesn't it? I want to ask, and then we're going to play some music and we're going to come back, we're going to chat with Corrie. It's all going to be so exciting this evening. You've got your olive. How does that turn into an oil? How does it happen? Okay. Well, to be called an extra virgin olive oil, it can only be done by mechanical means. So both extra virgin and virgin are mechanical means only. Uh, if you have just olive oil and lampante oil, that may well have been chemically treated. So I wouldn't touch them. But obviously some people do. And, and that's you can still, that's, they're still classed as edible? Uh, lampante oil, no. Olive so, oil, okay. yes. Okay. Um, so they use chemicals to extract the oil and then they try to take out the chemicals. Oh, they get, even my mm, mouth, I'm going, yeah. oh, we're going, no, no it's not, not don't, don't do doesn't it. sound good, <laughs> does do it, it, when you chuck in chemicals and stuff? So the process, um, they get harvested. Mm -hmm. They have to be uh, pressed within 24 hours of the harvest. That's wow, one of, okay. uh, another one of the criteria for being classified as extra virgin. Mm -hmm. um, and it has to be done all at below 27 degrees C. So you may have heard the term cold-pressed. Yes. That term actually doesn't have any currency, um, but it does have to be below 27 degrees C to be classified as extra virgin, mm -hmm. and the extra virgin term does have currency. Mm. It's so interesting. So it's they, they are pressed. So? And then oil comes out? It's quite a long process. <laughs> <laughs> no, is there a quick version? <laughs> I'll run through it as best Just I can. Just in case we're still here at seven o'clock. <laughs> yeah. So they get washed and yeah. obviously all the bits removed. They then get ground, so either under a stone wheel or yeah. a modern grinder. Yeah. The paste is then malaxed, which means just sort of gently stirred. And that helps the oil droplets to uh, coagulate into slightly larger droplets. So you get a higher yield. It then goes into the first of two centrifuge processes, which separates the um, uh, the plant matter from the oil and water. 
The oil and water then goes through to a second centrifuge, which separates the oil from the water, and then the oil comes out. It can then either be an, that it, it's unfiltered at that point, mm-hmm. so it can then be filtered or can not be filtered, yeah. depending on just choice. God, it's, it's just such a fascinating thing, and there's something I think quite magical about olive oil. It's just so, very special, and I think even olive oil trees, they're regarded in, in very high esteem, especially when you go to maybe Italy, or I'm trying to think of other countries I've been to, and you can buy a little olive oil tree for yourself, but that they are very respected, aren't they? they are. They're very ancient. Olive yeah. trees live for centuries. Yeah. Um, and they're beautiful. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen yeah. olive wood. It's a beautiful, beautiful wood. Mm. Um, the trees, as they get bigger, can become quite knotty and, and really take on personalities. Mm. Um, beautiful love things. It. Absolutely love it. Alan Johns from Pomora Foods, who is the world's leading expert he's laughing saying oh my gosh am i the world's leading expert in olive oil pomora.com we have got a packed show we're going to be telling you more about olive oil what to look out for we have got a super blogger in corinne from corinne's rabbitfood.com as well that's right isn't it is no, it what? It's Corrie's rabbit yeah cory that's what i said cory's rabbit food <laughs> Corrine. Corrine. No, no she's <laughs> making it up she's making it up i'm reading it here cory's rabbit food and she has actually been very naughty and brought in some vegan treats as well so it is my lucky day we're going to go and play some more fantastic music a little bit of 80s a little bit of 90s and we will be carrying on speaking to our two very special guests right after this. Around and she smiles and she says this 
Phoenix FM. Reach out, touch space.
my God. What beats Depeche Mode on a Friday night? Mind you, I do say that about quite a lot of my favourite bands. I was one of the people that went to see the Depeche Mode film last night. It was packed out in Basildon at Bazfest. Las Vegas, whatever we call it, Baz Vegas. And because, of course, this is where Depeche Mode all started from. And part of it, as far as I know, was in my husband's mum's kitchen where they used to come and rehearse in the early days, in the late 70s and the early um, 80s as well. What a great show. What a great show within an incredible documentary film, Spirits in the Forest. Anton Corbin's um, Depeche Mode documentary. It followed the story. If you did, if you wasn't there, if you wasn't one of the people around the world joining me and everybody else from Basildon, it joined. It, it talked about the stories of about six super fans, and they had absolutely incredible stories, and they all bond together and come together over Depeche Mode. And I was very lucky because we bumped into an old family friend and we just spoke for a little bit and I did invite them on the show, but I don't think we're going to be lucky enough, my lovely listener. But there I was with Martin Gore's sister and Dave Garhan's sister. And I just thought, gosh, you know, it must be crazy to grow up with a sibling that is such an absolute superstar legend. So if you if you can do go and see the film it is um, just absolutely brilliant. I don't know the plans. I'm sure it will be released or it might come out again. So I think today, tonight, my lovely listener, we are going to have a scattering of Depeche Mode in honour of them just being an absolute brilliant band. We are going to be playing some other mon- wonderful music as well. And on top of that, the best guests ever. <laughs>
Isn't that a lovely track? Fleetwood Mac and Little Lies. And that is especially for my wonderful guest, Corrie, from Corrie'sRabbitFood.com. She's a blogger, music lover, olive oil fan. It all comes together, doesn't it? Thank you for coming in, Corrie. Thanks for having me. I know you love radio. You've done 150 million interviews before. Oh, of course. (laughs) You know how it is. It's a juggle. We were just chatting because you are a top designer on some fantastic magazines, as well as doing your blog, as well as being an olive oil fan. How do you fit it all in during the day? Um, well, I do a lot at night, I think. So. You know what? It's, it's weird. I'm, sorry, look, I'm rabbiting on already. But sometimes you can think, I'll clear my emails, I'll send an email, it's one o'clock in the morning, and you get a reply. Do you find that? Um, yeah, on occasion. I mean, most of the time, I'm quite good at switching off, actually, because I have so many things on. I like to kind of have each thing goes in its own little box. So when I am at home and I'm not doing anything, you know, I'm watching Netflix or reading my book, and I kind of don't deal with things till the next day that's good so you're good at switching off I find that quite hard at times really I make myself because yeah. I have so many different things going on I think I have to be yeah. a bit strict with myself in that way yeah and is your blog your most favorite thing I do love it and like my I have a, so my blog's a vegetarian blog and I also do a bit of vegan on it as well for you Karen. yeah <laughs> um, I bought some treats for you Woo-hoo! that you can have later. I like you um, even more. <laughs> but actually, vegetarianism has been such a big part of my life because yeah. um, I was raised vegetarian and my mum was vegan growing up. And um, it's kind of everything is sort of revolved around it, mm. really. And so it's kind of come to a natural point where I decided to start writing and shooting all my own recipes and. Um, it was actually meant to be a dating blog first. Was it really? (laughs) Yes, I had quite a disastrous dating history. Um, But actually, when I went to sit down to write it, I found it too depressing. Oh, (laughs) no! I actually started writing about food because that's what I liked more and that's what I was into. And vegetarian food, is I'm so passionate about it. Um, And yes, I sat down and I wrote a, a cake recipe instead and then I've been doing it for four years now. And it is just purely for the love of vegetarian food, really, which obviously growing up in the 90s as a vegetarian, um, I mean, the food wasn't the best. I mean, I remember having rice with grated cheese on at my friend's house quite frequently. (laughs) Oh, no. I mean, I know you being a vegan must have had that struggle when you first, you know, I mean, I think obviously now it's quite popular yeah. and it's much easier to be a vegan these days but I mean even being a vegetarian back then was tricky well your mum must have had the same oh, as she, well oh, so how, when did she go vegan then well she had to go vegan for because she had migraines so cheese and dairy used to trigger her migraines I hear that a lot I'd hear dairy products really can mm. affect a bad migraine oh it was terrible like all it was debilitating for her yeah. so she cut out dairy and caffeine and all sorts of fun things <laughs> um to stop her migraines but they started kind of from puberty right up to the point she had menop- when she went through menopause so now she's eating all the cheese she wants because <laughs> now they don't cause migraines for her oh bless but I yeah mean- so being vegan um was really tricky for her um mm-hmm. growing up but then it also meant that you know, I was also developing vegan recipes and, you know, I was very conscious of her making vegan recipes and, 
you know, going out to restaurants and there not being very much for her to no. eat, bless oh, her. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's something I think about a lot. And actually, nowadays, I mean, you're just spoilt for choice. It's crazy. I mean, I just went to the supermarket and I thought the array of products that are vegan... I'm, I'm absolutely blown away. I have to pinch myself because some of these, I used to have to go and drive half an hour to a, a health food store that I knew did a vegan cheese. And now, you know, you just, uh, you just walk around and there's, you know, there's something vegan wherever you go. It's incredible. Say, we might have to talk about vegan cheese for a minute because vegan cheese has come a long way oh, from, from the, the port, the one my mum used to eat called Cheese, which we used to get from Holland and Barrett. I don't know if you know that one. So it was like a spreadable ch- cheese. <laughs> Um, that was the only one that she could eat because it was the only one that was relatively palatable. But um, actually, in something that I've bought for you to try today, I have found a new vegan spreadable cheese. Really? Which, um, oh, this is exciting. Which is the only one I quite like. Um, but yeah, I think vegan cheese, when I, when I go to burger places now and have, you know, I mean, the, the fact that you can even make it melt is well, just a Well, that was dreams. groundbreaking. 20 years ago, you just accepted you're never going to have cheese on toast. Or if you do, mm. it's toast with cheese on top. And now for it to melt, it is exciting. So it's exciting. absolutely exciting. I mean, actually, the innovation in vegan food has overtaken vegetarian yeah. food yes. by quite a mile. Like, yeah. I now, you know, I still get offered risotto in most restaurants, where but there'll be three vegan options. <laughs> <laughs> all of which are amazing i love it, I love it. that's so I, hilarious yeah but but you know i kind of feel like oh can't there be a bit more innovation in the vegetarian field i'm still yeah. getting stuffed peppers but we're not, we're not worried about the vegetarians no, no one worried, no. we're waiting them, for them to come to the dark side <laughs> well, i mean you know it's on the cards i think it's always especially now it's so easy i think yeah. you know it and actually when i was developing recipes for today a lot of my recipes I do find that most of them you know are vegan anyway yes, and then yeah. I just chuck cheese on them at the end and actually that's not really that necessary you spoil them then yeah but then I just think you know I think I've, I have been making a bit more of an effort in recent years and also to cut down my dairy intake and things um, just because I think it's better for my health and you know the environment but you know it's quite hard for me when I've grown up you know eating dairy and eggs my whole life so I imagine for someone who's eaten meat their whole life and then going vegetarian it's a similar transition for me um but actually not a very hard one it seems Mm, I think so and I think you know we bring Alan and Pomara as well because for me as a vegan it wasn't going to be Alan's standard but it was always nice that I know when I ate out there'd be some olive oil as a fallback because they were not likely to have a dairy-free butter Mm. so you know olive oil and i go back a long way but the quality as as alan has explained you know there is a difference in the quality and i know that you use the olive oil in your recipes as well because you and pomara are friends and work together yes we are friends aren't we alan Um, <laughs> no, I think it's great. So I, um, I really like the flavoured oils are my favourite. Yeah, me too. Um, well, I like also, them all, to be honest. I do. Yeah, I think in terms of when I'm creating a recipe, mm. um, 
it's amazing how just adding um, a flavoured oil to the end of your dish can make all the difference. Mm. Um, you know, whether it's a bit of roasting vegetables in rosemary oil is one of my favourite things to do. Yeah. Um, my boyfriend particularly likes pasta very, very hot, so I'll just give him the chilli oil. Oh, now that is a hot one. Pours that <laughs> on at the end, so I don't need to add chilli into all my recipes. He's hardcore then, oh, he, isn't he? Yeah, he, he likes things very hot, yeah. um, and I don't, so that actually works quite well. Um, but even lemon oils in pesto. The lemon know, really oil. Subtle. Pomora's lemon oil. I'm Beautiful. sorry, we're, do, we're like raving fans yeah. now. But the lemon oil is so beautiful. It is delicate. And you can kind of transform a savoury dish with a little bit of extra sweetness. That's how it feels for me. Yeah, I just think it brings a real freshness to, Mm. like, especially salad dressings. I like to use it in a lot. Pesto salad dressing. And actually, I think today I've bought you um, a pea and mint pesto, which has been made with the lemon oil. (gasps) And then I've also bought you some... We will be tweeting photos, my lovely yes, listener, because I know you're probably... If you're not eating your dinner already, you're going to be thinking, I want to try some of Corrie's beautiful dishes. Some of Corrie's rabbit food. Oh, yes. oh. Well, I will say um, all the recipes are available on Corrie'sRabbitFood.com. And we will um, be putting a link as well when we do the Listen Again link. So if anyone's tuned in and thinking, I want to find out more about Pomora Foods and Corrie's rabbit food and everything, there will be... The listen on the listen again link there'll be a link to your details well as just well. make sure you don't type in rabbitfood.com because you'll come oh. up with a pet food website oh, no. um, so you'll be sadly disappointed <laughs> if you're looking for my pea pesto Corey's rabbit food Corey is in coronation street yeah with an S, rabbit Lovely. food, just to be clear. So how do you come up with recipes? Because I think I've become a little bit lazy and a bit boring. So mm. maybe my listener is thinking, I need some inspiration too, or I need some more vegan veggie options. Or how do you get out of that rut of having this dish and then this dish? And you need to create some more dishes so mm. what advice would you give for some adding some ex- excitement in your if your food life is a bit boring but mm. on top of that how do you get your inspiration well it helps that i work for a lot of food magazines i think that you know for starters i stare at food photography all <laughs> day so it's you know does that make you hungry or do you think oh, yeah. i've had enough of food no i'm constantly hungry it's probably why <laughs> I, I have a food blog i'm, I'm a greedy gut um, oh. But yeah, I mean, and also, you know, they are often testing recipes in the kitchen and we actually work in the kitchen. So I'm designing in the kitchen so I can smell things. So sometimes mm. it will be wafts of biscuits and then I'll think, oh, I haven't done a biscuit on my blog for a while. And then I'll go home and make a recipe or develop a recipe around something I've kind of smelled or I've seen. I think, oh, that'd be nice with this. Or, mm. or maybe I can make a veggie or vegan option of that. And you know, a lot of it is just because, A, I'm hungry all the time. Um, <laughs> I love your honesty, Corey. <laughs> oh, I really am. And then, um, and often, a lot of my recipes used to come from the fact that there wasn't very good vegetarian stuff about. So when I used to go to restaurants, and actually a lot of my inspiration came from meat dishes, because A, they were, they looked nicer and smelt nicer than what I was eating, but obviously I didn't want to eat that. So I started researching meat recipes and then thinking, well, okay, well, if I don't have a chicken, what else can I 
use to get that similar you know where it's going to look really special and taste delicious and then so I started experimenting with things and just leaving the meat out or substituting it for something else and coming up with something that wasn't a stuffed pepper I think that was my real upset was when I'd go out and you know what when you go out and everyone else has such delicious oh it's meals in front of them and there's been real but the thing is real time and effort and love has gone into that and then I would get um, pasta with tomato sauce that didn't taste oh. of anything and I think you know it can be actually really upsetting mm. when you get you know you've paid the same amount as everyone else Yeah. and actually I mean, my mum had a great story where she went to um, a black tie do with my dad and um, this was back in the 80s and um, they they'd paid tickets and they had you know they were both vegetarian and the meal came out and everyone else had, I don't know, venison and mashed potato, you know, beautiful food. And they got given a plate of grated cheese, um, sliced cucumber and sliced tomato and lettuce. No! What even is that? It's not even a salad, is I it? Mean, it's just hideous. What did they do? How did they it, feel? Well, they felt really upset. And, mm. I th- and also, I mean, obviously this was back in the 80s, but when there's such little effort made, mm. when you're paying the same amount, I think... You know, that's what's so wonderful about this kind of vegan movement that's happening at the moment, because everybody, you know, there's some people are really taking notice and chefs particularly are, you know, they're pushing their boundaries and trying really hard to make vegan food taste amazing. And I just feel a bit sad for vegetarianism because it doesn't seem to have had that renaissance in the same way. It just, you know, it's kind of like veganism is this beautiful, attractive young woman and vegetarianism is still an old hippie <laughs> with long hair and doesn't wash and you know, that's how it feels <laughs> and I, I feel like love we need a bit more analogy. innovation yeah <laughs> which oh. is what I try and do in my blog I try and make food easy accessible exciting mm. and tasty and I think vegetarianism just wasn't like wasn't that for a very long time mm. so that's that's basically what I do is cook what you like and you know basically just be a greedy guts look in magazines and get inspiration or go to corriesrabbitfood.com absolutely feel inspired (laughs) but you are i mean the the images because i when i looked the other day and i'm looking at them now the images are lovely the recipes look stunning you know do you because I, i i wonder about this with bloggers do you create something and you make it all look fabulous and and take a photo does that happen on a regular occurrence or is that especially for the blog or you know when you just you're going to go home and just make your quick dinner does it look as beautiful or do you just bung it on the plate and eat it um no so i have to so often i will make my recipes from whatever i've still got in the fridge so I'm very kind of waste conscious. Me too, absolutely. Um, but it will be at the weekend I do it. I never do it after work. A, because you can't shoot without natural light. So, and especially as the nights are drawing in, I, I need natural light. So it'll always be Saturday or Sunday. I'll kind of come up with my idea in the week. Oh, I might do, you know, I don't know, some kind of banana bread thing. And then I'll start researching that week. So I'll just start looking at other, okay, is it going to be a vegan one? Am I going to use pecans or walnuts? Or what kind of flour am I going to use? Is it going to be a healthy one? There's lots of sugar in it. So then you start a bit like when you're writing an article, you just go and you gather lots of information. And then on the Saturday, I'll 
you know, hopefully use what I've got in my fridge or whatever's in my cupboard, go and buy a few extra things and then make it and see if it works. And if it works straight away, which sometimes that doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> Your secrets come Especially out. with cakes. I think cakes are a real science. Yeah. And actually, you know, making something like baked tomatoes on toast, you know that's going to taste amazing. I'm not going to have to make that four times. Whereas a banana bread, you know, if it doesn't work, if it sinks, if it's dry, I mean, there's, you know, a can of worms. So often, uh, I mean, there are some cakes on my website. <laughs> yeah, when I you're have not more time. It, Corey. <laughs> when I have more time. But um, I've made you a banana bread today. Have you really? Oh, but that's, that's my mum's vegan special recipe, one that she's been making for a very, very long time. And that, that's on my blog for anyone that wants it. And but is it easy to make for my listener that's a beginner? Is it super easy? easy? Is it? And also, we have a lot of old monkey bananas in my house because my boyfriend tends to not eat them all on a weekly basis and so what I end up doing is wait for them to go completely almost black in the fruit bowl and then stick them in your freezer with their skins on and then I mean I have about 20 manky bananas in my freezer but it means that I have banana bread whenever I want it so you literally defrost them when you freeze a banana and then zip it out of its skin, it actually does come out intact. You can just plop it straight in a recipe, put it in the oven, bish, bash, bosh. Lovely. I love that. I mean, my frozen bananas tend to just go in the blender and then I've got a nice ice creamy type smoothie. Mm, that's a good idea. But I've never done the banana bread. I don't think you can do banana bread with frozen bananas. That's why you right. have to defrost them a bit. But just defrost them in a bag, leave them, go to work, leave them out come home unzip you know get a knife in there and just shove them in but it's a great way again just to use up those things that would normally go in the bin and i said waste upsets me in quite a big way so i'm always trying to use everything in my house and also it's cheap it's economical you know i live in london it's expensive you know i I can't keep going out buying fresh bananas for things like this I love your honesty, Cory. Tell us what your website is again. Uh, Corrysrabbitfood.com, and that's Cory as in Nation Street. I wasn't named after it, just Are you to sure? be clear. <laughs> no, I mean, my mum is listening, but... Um... Hello, Mum. What's her name? <laughs> Lizzie. Hi, Lizzie. Hi, Lizzie. We're having an absolute blast. <laughs> I can't wait to try your banana bread. Well, it's, I mean, it's her recipe, so she, she'll be yeah. pleased as punch. But, uh, yeah, it is, it is a good one. So do go on my website and do have a look at that. Brilliant. And we're going to chat again in a bit. We're going to play some more music. We're going to do some olive oil testing, try some vegan banana bread. And, obviously, my listener, I hope you join in because you are going to learn a lot and we are going to have an absolute blast as well. And we will be tweeting out photos. I think, Alan, we need to shout out the competition um question again so the question is which village in campania does our uh grower antonio's oil come from and the website is pomora.com p-o-m-o-r-a.com pomora.com professional let's go over we play a little bit of stone roses especially for gory and we'll talk to you in a bit my lovely listener you listen to me karen ridges here and my wonderful guests here on the house of fun Oh, 
Phoenix FM. interesting track (laughs) where did that come into the playlist mark ronson and amy a little bit different um you listen to me karen ridges here on the house of fun remember you can email me radio at phoenixfm.com you can find me on twitter you can find me personally actually under at veggie vision tv I've got the wonderful corinne hanging out in uh, corrie see i did say it wrong (laughs) 
I did say Corrine. I know, lots of, you know, I had one woman once call me Corrine for so long that I couldn't correct her oh. and it went on for years. Oh, no. And actually then someone pointed it out. What are you calling her Corrine for? And she was like, well, that's her name. And I was like, oh, but it's too awkward now. It is. That's one of those things where it... Where is the point where it gets awkward? Because I'm Karen and people say Karen or Corrine. Yeah. A whole mixture. And you think... I'm just trying to think when it's happened to me last. I think I'd probably say it quite quickly. I know, I never say it because, A, my name's quite weird, so I kind of accept that. And B, (laughs) um, because I'm a freelancer and I work at so many different magazines all the time, I just can't be bothered to correct people. I mean, if they, I mean, it's close enough. Corrine is fine. (laughs) You know, as long as it's not Barbara or something really weird, I think, you know, I can live with that, I think. Oh, well, we're chatting off air as well because we are all big foodies here. We've got wonderful Alan Johns who's, who's dishing out the olive oil in the studio. He's, he's having, we're going to have a little taster of some lovely olive oils. And my lovely listener as well, we will be telling you what to look out for so you can make an informed decision because you don't want to be spending your hard-earned dosh on stuff that really well you could probably get a much better quality we were talking about this earlier wasn't we and you use olive oil in your recipes yeah do you think that you replace butter with olive oil or why do you put olive oil in recipes well i mean i think i I mean it tends to be something i drizzle on top a lot Mm. um there like i said there's a couple of things like dessert sometimes olive oil goes really nicely with so i've got a chocolate mousse like a salted chocolate mousse recipe which i use pomora olive oil in um but really it is like the icing on the cake like it's a drizzle at the end Mm. um and that makes the difference we were saying earlier it can be just a little add a little touch at the end and you can transform or a recipe that might be a little bit bland just elevates to a new it level yeah i like that we were talking earlier as well because i have just come back from neat burgers just off of oxford street and that's lewis hamilton's restaurant um lovely people they've invited me in a couple of times and i've um, done a little post about them on Veggie Vision because it's quite exciting when you've got an absolute superstar. Everybody knows Lewis Hamilton, loves what he does, and he's a passionate vegan, and he's opened with his friends a vegan restaurant. It, it's quite an exciting time. Um, so, yeah, I went along there, had a massive burger, and I, it was very, very filling, and they make their own ice cream. Ooh. And it's probably, well, it would be probably my my favourite ice cream. Some little meringues on top. So it was their neat and mess. Oh, that sounds nice. Neat and mess. Because I, I don't know about you, sometimes a dessert will turn up and I can't even now eat a quarter of it. That's never happened to me, Karen, in my life. Okay. <laughs> I really don't know what you're talking about. I Put just it in my mouth. <laughs> whole thing but sometimes i start with the dessert have you ever done that no that's just mental i don't (laughs) know why you would do that sometimes (laughs) because you can't wait you're hungry the cake is there just calling your name 
And then you've got to wait for your food. So my son and I, we will share a dessert. Then we will have our main meal. Oh, that's bonkers. But I, I, do, I do like your style. I do that you. at home. Like, you know, I get the haagen out, I eat that, and then have my dinner maybe <laughs> behind closed doors where there's no judgment. Yeah. I just broadcast it to my, <laughs> my listener. But that's what we had at Neat Burgers today. Do you like the fake meaty stuff? Do you use that in recipes? Very rarely. Um, And it really is just because I've never really eaten meat. Mm. Um, Mainly, uh, well, I did once when I was 15. I ate a chicken burger and I was very drunk on a night out. And I think I did it just to impress the boys, to be honest. Um, I didn't feel very well the next day. But because I've never eaten meat, I don't feel that lack of meat in things. So... Um, the only time I ever use like corn and things like that are A with sausages because frankly who's got time to make a veggie sausage in this life if you've got time to make a veggie sausage you've got too much time yeah it's too much Um, and then and occasionally I remember being very jealous of spaghetti bolognese when I was a child because I mean, it just looked so delicious. And it was something that all my children, all my friends were, um, not all my children, yeah, I don't have any children, um, were eating. I remember just thinking, oh, I really wish I could eat that. And so my guilty pleasure is a corn mince bolognese. I have it on my blog. Um, but as a rule, I tend to stay away from those things because, A, they don't really taste like meat, which is good for me but when I go somewhere and I have fake meat that's too much like meat me and Alan were talking about this earlier um you know like I'm quite funny about texture so if something's quite uh oh I don't know too beefy like I actually don't want my my bean burger to taste like beef because I don't like beef and I don't know that's not why I'm vegetarian I want my bean burger to taste like beans really um so recently when i've had a burger that's almost too much like meat it actually makes me feel a bit ill Mm. because i don't actually know what real meat tastes like it's the closest thing i've got so but then also i kind of like the curiosity that now i can try it and see oh Mm. so that's kind of what it's meant to taste like so i have a bit of a love hate but in terms of my own recipes to be honest vegetarian food doesn't need it vegan food doesn't need it you know we eat in a very different way to meet how people who eat meat do you don't need a big centerpiece turkey i'm not constantly trying to you know compensate for the lack of turkey because there's never been a turkey in my brain so you know vegan and vegetarian food for me is more about sharing and a lot more about the sides and you know we actually eat in a very different way Mm. um you know to how you know conventional i guess people who eat meat eat um, and I get why they don't understand, oh, what, what do you have instead of the turkey, you know? But I also don't feel like a whole roasted cauliflower is the answer either. <laughs> I mean, I don't like, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want to eat a giant cauliflower. It's terrible for your stomach, first of all. <laughs> is it really? What would, you, what would you like then? What's your ideal? I, li- I like little bits and pieces. I like to pick. I like, you know, and I'm not saying don't have a whole roast of cauliflower, but, you know, I don't want a bit of that with other things. It's just, I oh, think, vegetarian food. You make more of the sides, I think. Yeah. And, you know, sides can be a beautiful thing. Like one, I went to a vegan meal um, about a year ago. Um, and actually, when I turned up, it was just a giant giant table just filled with different salads and roasted vegetables and dips and 
breads. And I was like, that is what vegetarian food is. Lovely. Right there. Yeah. That's what it means to and me. And it's sociable, you're sharing. Yeah. That's I what, do like you know, that. I mean, in terms of if I was going to throw a dinner party, that's the kind of food I do. Mm. But, you know, on a daily basis, it's, you know, what everyone else eats. I think when I was a child, people used to say to me, well, what do you eat? I'd be like, oh, I don't know, grass, <laughs> leaves. You know, I eat food. I eat the same thing you eat. I eat food. You just I eat, eat food. Pasta, you know, I eat pasta and rice and curries and stews and, you know, all the things that you eat just without the meat in it. It's not yeah. really that, it's not a difficult thing to understand <laughs> oh we're gonna bring alan in as well who's been busy setting up all the lovely pomara pots wow, there's lots to taste lots there's, to taste is there really oh, oh this yes. is just the most exciting show have you heard of neat burgers do you go out and like to try different veggie foods or something or different veggie restaurants well i'm a dirty carnivore so uh, I, I tend to have a proper burger <laughs> well, I tell you what, honestly, I I feel that the burgers in Neat Burgers, if somebody gave you a burger, you wouldn't know that it was meat or vegan or vegetarian. But at the end of the day, they're not necessarily catering for us. They're mm. catering for that vegan curious or that person that is a reducitarian or a flexitarian. It's great for us vegans that don't want any cross-contamination. I think that's the thing, actually, is that it is for people that eat me. I think, actually, that's, a, that's hitting the nail on the head. It's actually not for people like me. It's actually to, you know, people that want to eat less meat, that already eat meat, that want to, you know, make that Which transition, I perhaps. Great. But I, I think, think that it is, is yeah, you know, I mean, I would go back. I love their ice cream, that they made themselves with a little bit of meringue on top, so it must be the aquafaba meringue it tasted just so good and you know i i just think there's something different for everybody you know you've got your places that do your salads you've got your places that do the burgers you've got places that do italian or whatever you're whatever you'd like to try but going back to what you said about the um uh spaghetti and bringing in the olive oil because my mum used to make a spaghetti bolognese and it was before you know when we were young and I hated it it wasn't veggie because we didn't even know about that years ago um, and I really hated it all of the pasta stuck together it was dreadful I'm sorry mum I love you to pieces <laughs> the meal was probably lovely but I just remember the pasta the spaghetti but the missing ingredient was the olive oil because that's what you really need to add to a pasta i feel so it doesn't stick together is that a waste of your olive oil alan it is and i think it might indicate you're not buying the right pasta <laughs> oh, no. this was 30 years ago with my lovely mum, who i hope is listening we're, we're going to play on play some tina turner for my mum as well because she's the best mum and she nearly cut her thumb off earlier this week which is terrible i know rushed to a and e slicing up chestnuts she's an absolute nutcase still goes out clubbing she goes out more than i do which sounds amazing but that i know she is amazing but um but that's what i do with my pasta but is that not the best use of an olive oil then apart from it's the wrong pasta it's not the best use of olive oil. So if you have a pasta that's got a high enough uh, protein content mm. and gluten content, it won't stick. Really? Uh, Are you such a whiz on pasta as well? Does it come hand in hand with olive oil, Alan? Well, it just happens uh, about three weeks ago. We were visiting uh, Antonio in 
a little village called Venticano in uh, Campania. And one of the uh, trips we took when we were there was to a, uh, a pasta mill. Lovely. And uh, there is a, a new brand they're launching, which is 100% Italian Durham wheat pasta. Uh, and it may or may not be getting, coming to the UK sometime soon. And it's amazing. And are you, are you dropping little Pomora hints? Or not, are you not allowed to say? Is it top secret? It's only between you and I and Corey. Uh, it, it's not something it's, we'll, we're, we'll it's, it's, we're all divorced. Watch this space, <laughs> yeah. perhaps. Watch this space. I think a really good pasta can taste quite magical. Did you, when you visited these these growers of pasta, the makers of pasta in Italy, did you taste it and did it taste better than what you buy in Tesco's? Uh, well, they actually make for several white labels over here, um, but their oh. premium product is definitely noticeably better. Um, so you do need to look for protein content and gluten content. Very interesting. So the protein content in pasta is something that we need to keep our eyes peeled because then it will be a better quality the higher it is. Higher is better, definitely. Do you know what numbers that might be? Because I'm just, I'm just curious. Not off the top of my head. Okay. But you would definitely notice it doesn't stick in the pan yeah. and it has much more bite and it's just noticeably better. Mm. So look... You've kindly brought in some olive oil. Should we, tr- should we try some? Alan? I think we should do some tasting. There's and no then, point talking about it. I'm I not, know. Not getting it in the mouth. I know. We're, we're going to. Corey's going to join in as well. Yeah, yep. sure yep, am. So for some. So can you. I don't know how we're going to do this. How are we going to do this with Alan, the expert from Pomora Foods? Can you tell us step by step what my listener needs to look out for, as well as tell us what your bringing to us as well to try without olive oil delights so just very quickly a a quick guide as to how to taste olive oil so Mm. it's very much like tasting wine so the first thing you do is you take the uh the vessel the the little cup and cut one hand around it to get some warmth into the oil use your other hand to cover the top to keep the aromas in so once you, you swirl it around a bit and get some heat into it and then you take the hand off the top and just nose it so uh, smell the oil and that's your first uh, impression of the oil will be through the nose once you've done that you then take it into the mouth and what you really want to do is just make sure you you uh, excite all the different areas of the palate so let it wash right across your palate Mm. now with olive oil there are three dimensions you look for Mm -hmm. fruitiness or flavor which is at the front of the palate so at the front of the tongue bitterness which is at the back and side and then there's this thing called pungency or the peppery sensation as you go into the throat. So those are the three dimensions and different oils will be sort of longer and shorter on each of those dimensions. Um, and, and that's the pleasure of tasting the different ones. So I think we should probably dive in with the first one. I shall think, we? yes, let's do that, Alan. It's all go here. Alan is getting up. He has prepared some wonderful oh, tasters for us. And... Now, this olive oil, would, would you say, is it, I mean, it's a beautiful, rich yellow colour. Um, would you say that that, is that a cloudiness that we can see, Alan? So this one is cloudy, so it's unfiltered. Okay. It's one of mine, so it's um, from Carmelo, our Sicilian grower. Mm-hmm. It's his Olio Nuovo, so this is the latest year's harvest. It was olives growing on a tree a month ago. We've had it shipped in specially. I mean, are you going to get fresher? I'm, we can't run anyone down, I know, but do you think that the olive oils that my listener will pick up in the shop, are they going to be as fresh as a month? No. 
Not okay. even close. Not even close. Could it be much longer? It could be much, much longer. And even the labelling requirements are not very good. The regulations are not good. So you could actually harvest and press your olive oil as long as it's within 24 hours of, between harvest and press. It quali- qualifies under that criterion for uh, extra virginity. But then you could leave it in a storage tank for 20 years. Oh, my God, you're having a laugh. 20 years. As long as you like, basically. Corrie and I's jaw just hit the floor. That must be rancid. So there is no time constraint on how long you can store it in, in tanks. When you then bottle it, you get 18 months best before date um, from bottling. So you can bottle Gosh. it at, after twenty years, and it and get but, exactly and, but the same. But what if it's rancid, months. and you won't? What if you don't try it, and then you bottle it, and then it's on the shelves for eighteen months? There you go. Oh, nice. <laughs> and you wonder why some of, <laughs> a lot of the olive oils on the shelves fail. Wow. So at the moment, we've got a lovely little taster cup of some Pomara olive oil. Now, Corrie and I are both, we've both got our hands underneath because we're giving it some warmth. Give it some warmth. Cover the top so you keep those aromas in. So my listener needs to do this at home with the olive oils that they've got. Exactly. And just to get that better experience. So how long Mm. would we hold the little pot of olive oil for? 30 seconds to a minute. Just needs to get a little bit of heat in there. Okay. you're going to mm. put your nose in yeah. and just smell that. Wow. I have that never... Lovely. That was... Did you do... Did you? What yeah. did you get, Corrie? It's, it smelled quite floral, actually, I thought. I just floral got such a powerful, lovely smell that I've never got before. I'm really impressed. So I've never done that experiment as such or that tasting. This is about as fresh an olive oil as you can possibly get in this really? country. It literally was harvested and pressed about two weeks ago we've had it flown over so we can taste it oh that's really? so exciting God, i feel just like the luckiest lady aren't we lucky corey <laughs> we are but our but customers Alan's will expertise. get this by yeah. mid-january and i think what i like about it as well as we said earlier i always feel like it's a little bit like christmas because you you kind of get on with your life and then oh i've got my pomora box through the door and it's lovely and you get excited what flavors oh can't wait to try them but i've never done this so i'm going to explain again to my my listener that we've got a little pot of the olive oil we'll put our hands underneath and on top and now i'm going to take in a little bit of the the smell again and it's you really get a wonderful smell it's better than just smelling the top of the olive oil isn't it or you can Get a good taste. So after we've done the smelly test... So the next part is to yeah. get it in the mouth. Okay. So we're just going to drink it in. Take, Make sure you take enough of it in yeah. to, to cover the whole uh, of your tongue and let yeah. it just wash back, yeah. thinking of those three dimensions. Right. Fruitiness, bitterness and pungency or pepperiness right at the back end. And we're not supposed to swallow it? You are supposed to swallow oh, it. Okay. So it's not like wine. Good question, Corey. Oh, so it's like a buka shot. Just yes. get it down. <laughs> But don't rush it. Oh, not rush it. Okay, don't not like it. a sandwich. Don't rush shot. it. Okay. Because what you can <laughs> don't also do afterwards. is whilst it's in your mouth, mm-hmm. if you breathe out through your nose, you'll actually re-smell the oil, what's called retronasally. So you'll get a different smell sensation. You do. And I'm trying to do this and talk and think, I hope I'm not going <laughs> to have want a dead weird air. experience no dead air. on air. <laughs> But that that's is really mm. interesting so we have our little cups we've we've breathed in the wonderful aroma and now we've put a little bit of olive oil 
in our mouth, in our tongue, and just let it kind of wash over, as you say. I'm getting a little bit of pepperiness. So you'll get some pepperiness at the back end. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. the pungency. The official yeah. term for that is pungency. Mm. Um, and those are actually all the antioxidants which are in the, the oil. So that's a really good sign. Mm. So they're the things that generally confer most of the health benefits. Lovely. So, I'm uh, getting a really good creamy taste. It's really smooth. Is that I what I should be getting? Yeah. So this is a very mild front-loaded oil. It's mm. all about the fruitiness, so the, that flavour of that first yeah. hit. It's really rich and creamy yes, and buttery. Yes, it is. Yeah. So if you want to bake with an olive oil, this is your boy. Wow, I mean, it's, is it? Okay. Uh, that is delicious. It is so nice. I never thought I'd be drinking olive oil, but they are small sips. <laughs> We're not drinking a whole big glass of it. But you do get quite a magical experience, don't you? Mm. And, I mean, the flavours at the front are so com- complex. I don't know what you're picking up, but I'm, I was getting some um, green tomatoes in there, some... Uh, uh, artichoke uh, I, I mean just such a lovely complex flavour mm. um, and that comes from the, the volcanic soil so ah. this is grown on the lower slopes of Etna yes. so if you know Sicily it's the oh. football that Italy's kicking on the eastern side the right hand side at about 3 o'clock on the clock face is the second biggest city called Catania about 10k north of that is Etna and between the two is a little village called Mascalicia and that's where this oil comes from I wonder, you know what, I'm kicking myself and my mum's probably screaming because I know she listens in from time to time when she's not out clubbing because we all went on a press trip to Sicily with my wonderful sister who's super duper journalist and that's where we stayed at the bottom of Mount Etna so I'm thinking did we stay there what well, we could have you know popped in and you saw your asked. grower and <laughs> um, this was a couple of years ago and um but it is, it's a very magical place. So you're, it's a beautiful place. The food there is just yeah. astonishing. Oh, and the people were so kind and generous. We had locals coming up to us saying, would you like these lemons? And just literally giving us these lemons. And I'm addicted to lemons. They're my favourite thing in the world. And, you know, would you like this? And just wonderful people. I'm feeling like I am getting, we've said about the pepper, but a pepper, mm. like actual peppers. Is that a thing or is that just, is everybody different? I can feel like I'm tasting peppers. Oh, like a bell pepper, I yeah. mean. Yeah. Oh, right, I see. There's a definite ting. You, you, will, you should get a tingling sensation in yeah. your throat. Yeah. So it's, it's the same uh, chemical. I mean, it's a naturally occurring chemical, but it's sort of mm. chemical that uh, you get with chilies. Okay. So you, you should be getting that, mm. that tingle. Yeah. Now, this is a mild oil, so it yeah. is predominantly front-loaded. Yeah. So very long on, on, on the fruitiness or flavour. Mm-hmm. No bitterness at all. So that, mm. that's one of the defining characteristics of this oil. Yeah. There's just no bitterness. Mm. Yeah. And then some pungency, but medium on pungency. And so. what, have, what would you say is your oil that's maybe the opposite of that then? So we'll come to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, he's got a plan. <laughs> so we're, we're going to go from mild through to uh, robust. Okay. So uh, we're tasting both of our two growers, but also a couple of supermarket ones, so you can really see that. I'm the not difference. looking forward to that now. Are you, Corey? No, because if they're 20 years old, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way of knowing. You cannot tell because the labelling requirements do not actually allow you to tell that. It's What you need is harvest date, not best before date. You're not required to publish harvest date. We only ever sell the latest harvest, but 
nobody you know nobody else will guarantee you that mm, okay so what's next on the list of pomara's tasting or do we are we doing more with this is there another no we've had the aroma we've had the tasting i'm loving the taste i mean i've downed mine I'm, have I'm, you yeah. cheeky thing i've still got mine so i'm saving it <laughs> i won't waste it though i'll be taking it back um but yeah oh so this oh, one now this one listener my dear listener this one is not cloudy now well, you can really see the difference this one is very clear it's a beautiful rich yellow color kind of greeny as well isn't it yeah a bit green is that is it? So, i think you're right actually yeah when you look up i'm just worried that alan's going to trick us and give us a dodgy one and not tell us there are no dodgy ones. No, so. okay. Not not from Pomara, but ones that you are going. We're going so to be comparing. To. Literally, the two supermarket oils that I brought, mm. I bought today from my lo- at my local supermarket. One is a supermarket own brand, and one is a an independent brand. Okay. We are now tasting the independent brand. Okay. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. The reason it's clear is because it's been filtered. Okay. So. What would they have used to filter? Is it? It's not like wine where they use icing glass or something. I actually don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, all of olive oil is vegan, so it. Um, it it's must not be fine. Fined if, yeah. If, in the way that wine it's would just be. Filled, it's just. It's a filtration. Yeah. 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 So. Okay. So there's there's a different straight away in how this olive oil looks. Yeah. So um, actual colour is not predictive of flavour with olive okay. oil. So yeah. generally, you would taste in um, uh, blue glass um, tasting yeah. uh, cups. I haven't brought my blue glass ones with me today, I'm afraid. But uh, um, is there a reason for that? I'm going to smell this one. So th- you use blue glass to deliberately obscure the colour. That smells really different. That smells very <laughs> different, and I'm very surprised, my lovely listener. In case you're wondering, you listen to me, Karen Ridges here on the House of Fun. We have got Alan Johns from Pomora Foods um, in the house with us, and we are looking and learning all about olive oil and we're trying it now we've got a different one here we had one that Corey and i were quite impressed with the the smell and we're learning how to to smell to try you know find out how we can find the best olive oils now this one alan it didn't smell like the first one at all and both Corey and i did look at each other and thought i don't think this smells great this smells very is it weird to say it smells salty it's just not there's not the, the the aroma isn't there like it was so let's try tasting it as well okay, okay. i don't know if i i'm not encouraged by the aroma to try this but we are we're going to have a little sip Corrie is struggling she might have a sip of her her sparkling Ooh. coconut water <laughs> that's really peppery is it now i'm going to be worried <coughs> i'm only going to have a teeny tiny sip because in case anything untoward happens with the microphone in front of me. It's just really strong. There's the, but it's a different flavour, isn't it? There's, there's not the flavour, but there's a strong taste. Strange. Mm. Explain that, Alan. So, again, think of the three dimensions. Mm. Fruitiness, which is the flavour at the front. For me, that's just not got any. Mm. Uh, no, you're no, right. It there, I'm quite surprised, though. Yeah, I am too. And then there's a little bit of bitterness. So as you go further back, you'll get some bitterness, but there's not a lot of bitterness either. And there's then, not oh, much. What have they mixed in this then, do you think? Or is it just pure olive oil? It is, according to the label, 
I don't e- even want to try it again. Extra virgin olive oil. But oh. if you look what it comes in, yeah. it's coming in a clear plastic bottle. I didn't think you could get oil in plastic. Surely that's going to leach out some chemicals. One, one would hope that that's food grade, but I can't guarantee. Um, and it shouldn't be clear. So your enemy, so olive oil is best when it's young and fresh. Mm. Your enemy is oxidation. Mm. And the three major causes of oxidation are light, air and heat. That is why we supply ours in tin, so no light. Small tins minimise the effect of air because they remain sealed until you open them. And we just say don't leave them in direct sunlight or right by your cooker to minimise heat. This, in clear plastic, will be oxidising the whole time. So even if it was a good oil, oil six months ago, 12 months ago or whenever, if that's been sitting on a supermarket shelf or on your shelf... It's oxidising and getting worse. So it's gonna. It's probably not going to be as healthful and it's probably not going to give you a great flavour if you're cooking or if you're using it as a dressing or whatever you're going to do. You really no, need no, to no know your stuff. It. And I mean, that, that's, you know, there's still a cost attached to a product like that, but you are kind of... I mean, it not, is considerably less expensive, you know, to make top quality olive oil takes... Uh, you know, all of our olives are harvest, harvested by hand. Mm. You, one of our uh, principles is fair trading. So we require our uh, growers to pay any of their employees a mm-hmm. living wage. So we commit to paying them a living price, and they in turn commit to paying any employees a living wage. Perfect. And, and Love that, that is important to us. Yeah. But that comes at a cost. Yeah, of course. So and somebody's a, got to pay the cost and pay... So it's all fair for everybody, and exactly. that's what Pomara Foods is. And, you know, as a consumer, you, you make that choice. Do yeah. you want to uh, rush for the bottom, as a lot of the supermarkets are doing, yeah. um, or are you willing to spend more on a better quality product that mm. will be better for you, will taste nicer, and yeah. will meet certain ethical standards that you may or may not hold? Not, I don't Im- believe in imposing my beliefs on other people, but we state what our beliefs are, and if you agree with them and like them, we would be delighted to welcome you to our Pomora family. Oh, I love that. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to play a couple of tracks. I'm going to play one for Alan. We're going to set up some more testing as well and come back. But I, I don't know, Corrie, what do you mm. feel? Because I'm quite shocked, actually, at the difference. I didn't think there was going to be such a big difference between these two. I think what I'm finding most upsetting about it, actually, is the fact that it comes in a plastic bottle. Absolutely. Actually, I think olive oil, to me, is a bit like wine. Like, you wouldn't buy a bottle of wine in a plastic bottle. I feel like there's something something quite sad about buying... Olive oil is a bit of a treat, and I think, you know, that just takes all the... You know, the, it's just a bit sad, isn't it? Looking at it like that. Yeah. But yeah, the taste of it, it just hit me in the back of the throat. It wasn't very nice. I mean, now I'm a connoisseur, of course. Of course, we now are I experts know. <laughs> of Alan's school of olive oil training. We are experts. But have you got a better one lined up for us next? We have got some nicer ones to come. Oh, thank God. Thank you. <laughs> well, look, we'll play this one for you, my lovely listener, and especially for Alan, who is expelling his wisdom about wonderful olive oil and it is such a fascinating topic we'll play this and then we'll come back straight after with some more expert advice especially for you you listen to me karen ridges here on the house of fun 
Oh, yes, it's a good one. Patrick's coming. He thought he was coming into a wine tasting. That's going to be another week, Patrick. Um, he's going to be looking after you from 8 o'clock this evening. It is all about olive oil. It is all about fantastic food. It's a right foodie show tonight. We have Corrie'sRabbitFood.com and Pomora.com as well. We are talking about olive oil. We are talking about food. And it's absolutely lovely. Corrie, you have brought in an absolute delight. We needed six hours. <laughs> this looks like I've just stepped into a little lovely cafe the colors look great tell Thank us what you. they are well it's all actually quite easy to make so we've got my mum's famous vegan uh, banana bread which it is made with good. not pomora olive oil actually just because um olive oil pomora olive oil because it's so fragrant i don't want to spend don't want to use a hundred mils in a cake i don't think it's right for that so the cake is the only thing that doesn't have pomora olive oil in it. But then I've got some chunky, crispy chickpeas, which are garlic and herb flavour made with the rosemary pomora oil. Really? Let me try some while yeah, we're do. talking. Yeah, do. I mean, they're so, annoyingly crunchy, so not great for radio. Right. So. My, listener, my listener loves a bit of crunch. So have you actually made so, these yourself? Yes. Is it with a tin of chickpeas? Have yeah. You so, so it's quite... Tin of, no, tin of, very easy. Tin of chickpeas, um, roast them in the oven for 10 minutes, then you should give them a shower roast them again and then you literally flavor them with garlic and powder and pour some of those in for they Alan taste Salt. utterly lovely and then you carry on baking them and then you leave them in the oven overnight and they crisp up they are like little bullets of tastiness well they're good for if you like to pick throughout the day and mm. they're very healthy yeah and, but you can you taste the rosemary oil in there it's mm. just very slight mm. you know quite yeah. subtle flavor yeah. And then next to that, we've got my pea mint pesto. That looks such a vibrant green colour. But you know what? What's in your pesto? Oh, 200 grams of frozen peas straight out the freezer, handful of mint, lemon oil from Pomora, salt, whizzed up, done. Is it? That is ridiculously easy. And you know what? You toss it through pasta. I mean, I've got, it, I've got some crisp breads for us to try it with. Um, but it's, it's just, like, all my recipes are really simple. You know, they're meant to be easy. I don't like things that are too complicated because I you're do, just not going to yeah. do them. So. I, I like food that you spend longer eating it than you do cooking it. That's my yeah. little dream. But then maybe because I'm lazy. I'm a lazy cook as no, well. No, but also you're busy. Like everyone's really busy. Let's and I try think, that because I'm yeah. loving the, co the colour and I've never had something where you don't cook the... Oh, thank you. You, you, you don't cook the peas first. No, Can no. I try some of this? I'm going to pour some to Patrick. What you do is you've got your frozen peas, you put them in a sieve, and you just pour some boiling water from a kettle straight over them. And then that defrosts them instantly. You put them straight in a blender um, with all the other bits and pieces. Oh, and that done. is so nice. Patrick is nodding. He can't talk because I gave him a big blob of Corrie's lovely... I'm going to have two bits. Sod it. Do well, this one that is, is so flavoursome and the colour, it's a beautiful... We've taken photos, so we will put them on the Listen Again link as well. What well, you can freeze colour. it as well. You can put it on canapes if you've got some vegans coming around at Christmas time. They're great, like how we're eating it. Or you can toss it through pasta. Lasts for a few days in the fridge. Um, but that's one that I make quite a lot. I, I make it with gnocchi. So on my blog, mm. it's actually... 
the pea pesto gnocchi and I put some watercress through that and some tomatoes as well. Mm. And it takes 20 minutes. Really? Like, it's such an easy dinner. You yeah. just wouldn't buy pesto again. There's no need, is there? I mean, it's just... And also, it's really healthy. You're getting your mm. five a day in there. Mm. Well, at least two, I think, out of that. Um, and then I've made just some bean wraps for you, which are made with smoked paprika. There's um, a roasted sweet potato, which I've used as a spread if you roast a sweet potato so much it actually becomes really soft and you can just mm. spread it like butter and then I've actually that's the one I've used the vegan cream cheese in mm. um, which actually gives it it makes everything stick together um, but you don't have to use that um, you know it's really your personal choice but it's got a lot of a smoky chili flavor in there and there's some fresh spinach and peppers but really, I mean, it's all very easy stuff. I mean, I'd make that the day before and then I'd get so many wraps out of it that that's my lunches for the week. So, so what, would you wrap them up and pop them in the freezer or something? Oh, I'd make or? the bean mix and then in the yeah. morning just assemble it and then take it to work. It's all about getting a little bit prepared, isn't it? And having mm-hmm. these things. And, you know, we've got Alan in from Pomora Foods and talking about the olive oil. So you've got olive oil in every yep. dish there. Not yeah. the banana bread this time. But the, you've got different flavours of the olive yeah, oil. Yeah, so the olive oil, I've got the plain olive oil in the um, in the wraps. Mm. Um, and then the rosemary in the chickpeas and the lemon in the pea pesto. And actually, you could make the banana bread with olive oil. It's just that if it will bring a flavour to it, that's all. So could I tend you? to use like a plainer oil for yeah. for the banana bread. Yeah. Um, unless I was making my olive oil mousse where you actually really want that mm. flavour of olive oil. Otherwise, I'd go with a plainer one. But you can. It's just that it's 100 mils, but I think you're wasting the oil in the cake I don't mm. think you want to I'm not use, no yeah. no not when we've just tasted it I think you don't want to you know yeah. use that much of it for a cake yeah. especially when you're when you can't really taste it because the bananas you know mm. too much love of a dominant it. flavor the, the colors look lovely it really does look good we're going to bring Alan in as well who is uh, we're going to hopefully fit in we've got a few minutes for Alan to impart his words of expertise. Well, we're just going to do one final uh, mm-hmm. tasting here, which is our second mainland grower, yeah. so from the little village of Venticano in Campania. It's grown by a chap called Antonio Tranfaglia. Uh, it's a Rovecce olive, whereas the our Sicilian one is a Nocellara um, Etnia olive. Yeah. Um, so same same process. Get yourself a little cup. Yeah. Warm, warm the oil from underneath and, yeah. and cover the top so that you're going to keep the uh, the aroma in. Just give that a little swirl around, make mm-hmm. sure it's warmed, and then nose it first. So plenty of flavour, but very Whoa, different flavours. Oh, that is such a lovely aroma. Corrie might have got her... I think mine are mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I did wonder because it is actually... I mean, there's not much difference in the colour. Oh, no, I've got the right one. But Don't worry. it is, Found yeah, it. it is in that smell. Now, I just smelled mm. that one a little bit and I knew straight away this was a Pomora and this was not because that was the plastic one. Yeah. yeah. The smell is, is mm. just beautiful. It, it's a delicious oil, but very, very different to mm. our Sicilian growers, which was all at the front of the palate. Yeah. This is going to be a far more traditional Italian-style, robust, Ooh. back-loaded oil. Ooh. So let, let's get it in the mouth. Okay. Here we go. Bottoms up, everybody. We are now trying the next one. So you'll get much more sort of lighter, grassy, citrusy, almost apple notes mm. at the front. Yeah. 
But then as it moves back, strong bitterness. It is very, it's strong and it's gorgeous. And strong back end pungency, which is really long as well. It goes all the way down to your boots. Are there benefits of olive oil, Alan? Uh, hundreds. <laughs> we could have a whole show on the benefits really? of olive oil. Um, the Probably the most exciting research that's just come out mm-hmm. is that the oleocanthal in olive oil, yeah. not only can it protect you against cancer, yeah. it can actually kill cancer cells. Well, I mean, it doesn't get more impressive than that, does it? And that's all from that humble little olive. From the humble little olive, from the oleocanthal that's in it. Mm. The the absolute kicker on that, though, is you will only get that benefit from a proper quality olive oil. From a proper, yeah. Of <laughs> and, and you know that's that's the downside of um, of just buying supermarket oils. You yeah. you will think that you're getting a lot of these health benefits because you can read about them in the press and in the in the scientific journals. Mm. You won't necessarily get them if your oil has been overprocessed or, or left mm. in so storage. You've really tanks. got to look out for it. You've got to do your tasting, do your aroma. I'm really quite surprised and shocked with the difference in the aroma. Mm. I know we've got to wrap up. Give us your details, Alan. So we are Pomora Good Food. We're at pomora.com and we would love to uh, have you as part of our family and and tasting these lovely oils. Lovely people. You can adopt your own olive tree, support the growers directly. Everything is fair and the oil smells flipping lovely as well as tastes. Wonderful. Corrie, you've been an absolute delight. Oh, thank you. Both of you. And the food is amazing. Super blogger on every national magazine you can <laughs> possibly buy in WH Smith's. Where, what's your details? Um, so my name's Corrie Hill. You can find me on Instagram and um, at Corrie Hill. So that's Coronation Street, spelt Corrie, and then Hill, H-E-A-L-E. Um, across all social media and corriesrabbitfood.com is the website so you can find me there thank you for bringing in such wonderful food love your expertise i hope you may want to come back corrie and alan thank you for being wonderful guests we're going to play out with a little bit of depeche mode let patrick take over the hot seat because he has got a super back show from eight o'clock i'll see you next week love you lots bye bye <laughs>
across Brentwood and Billericay. This is Phoenix.